All right, guys. Hello and welcome to the second episode of the State of Sport Fishing presented by Bill Fish Inc. Today we're joined by Leo, Skipjack, Alex Hossman, and special guest James DeGrone from the Game Changer. I mean, yeah, James, say hello. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> so what's for happening? for for the listeners. Um, James is actually a really, really special guy to me because um, when I started Billfish Gear long, long, long time ago, um, as you guys know, you know, we started with like a thirty one sticker and James bought fifteen back in the day. And it was like our first purchase, like over I think it was over eighty dollars and like dude, it was the fucking most insane thing and since then we've always kept in touch and uh, a little introduction for James. I mean he fished on the game changer for a long time. Um, he's been all over. He's been on the Tar Heels, he's been on all the boats. Um, you're from Costa Rica, right, James? Uh, right now I'm in Florida, based out of Stewart. Okay. But, uh, you know, grew up in Costa Rica until okay. I was 16 and then moved to Florida for whatever reason. I don't know why. <laughs> I was asking myself that same question when I when you first came here, James. I think it was to meet Alex. I think yeah. It was, it was to come hang out with a big house, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you're... Are you headed to the third leg of the Los Angeles Triple Crown right now? Yeah, and actually for the first time ever, I'm going to fish it with my dad. So That's Team Galati, super awesome. Go. No way. Wow. So Galati's bringing on reinforcements this, this, this time. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're sitting, they're actually sitting really well because yeah. last year's leg uh, was canceled due to COVID. And uh, this year's last leg is going to count for the amount. The same amount of points as for the one last year so two triple crown champions are going to be crowned this year wow. just based on this last tournament let's go wow wow imagine fish tank wins both huh <laughs> that'd be great for them that's all i can say payday for everybody who doesn't know him, i'm sure most do but for everybody who doesn't know james's dad john is one of the founders of sport fishing in costa rica i appreciate it man yeah, your your dad. Tell us a little about your dad. Uh, well, my dad grew up in Florida. He's originally from Warner Park in Orlando. He moved to Palm Beach County when he was 11, and he commercial fished with Captain Nat Ewer for black mullets off of Palm Beach. And his father owned the 37 Hatteras that they flew over to the Bahamas in and did all that great fishing. Um, besides that, you know, he kind of got into it with Bobby Grant on the Silver Two. He got in with, uh, with Captain Wink, Tony Francone from the, from, uh, from Boston and, you know, all over the Northeast guys, you know, almost all the old timers that, you know, most of our captains learn from. So it's kind of cool because, you know, he's still around bouncing around as a mate, you know, and in the grind with the second generation after him, actually. So. Badass. He moved to Costa Rica when he was, I think, 28. And uh, he kind of went there, you know, hang, hung out a little bit. Met my mom, became a charter boat captain for Tim Choate. And I don't know if you guys know who Tim Choate is, but uh, he got inducted into the Hall of Fame three years ago. His daughter, Stephanie Choate, holds a bunch of records. You know, they did a lot of great, great fishing back in the day with J-Hooks. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, that's who my dad. He's been there since '91. Hasn't left since, and you know he's been killing it. What was the name of that blue Spencer he was running back in Los Angeles for a while? It's called the Pelisse. Yeah, Pelisse. That's a fast boat. Yeah. Now tell us about his time on the Sea Angel. He stacked up a few tournaments on there, didn't he? Uh, no, my dad didn't. I did. I oh, okay. was kind of kind of like when I was first starting. You know, I was mating for my dad here and there. And uh, the guys on the Sea Angel, they just recently brought their uh, 63 FNS to Costa Rica. And for their first tournament, I think it was 11 years old when I was an angler in the Los Angeles tournament. And then, you know, kept going, kept going for like four or five years, won a couple legs, won a bunch of dailies. But, you know, it was always competition between me and my old man. We would ride the same car at 3 a.m. and he'd be like, all right, I'm going to talk to you for the next four days. See you at the end of the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, so tell us. So you went from the Sea Angel um, 
what which boats were you on before you got on the game changer um i was on the 55 merit when i first moved to florida which alex actually worked on as well wrapped up hooked up wrapped up okay yeah. right of the pod. And, yeah and uh from there i kind of i to be honest wrapped up and the lady lane that's in canada sport and uh the princess lily were my florida boats i did fish one 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 or two days with mark pagano on the 88s his brand new boat but uh not much besides that. I stayed with the same guys. And to be honest, I traveled everywhere else mm-hmm. instead of just staying in Florida. Shout out Captain Freddie Vincent on the Lady Lane. Freddie Potatoes. Oh, yeah. Freddie Potatoes. So so tell us a little bit about your experience in Cabo. I mean, I th- honestly, I think everyone on the entire planet is kind of, you know, has has love, love, love to hear the story of, of how you guys caught 330 in one day right sunrise sunset correct uh we caught 308 30 was the people that beat us with ah, that's right my about bad. two weeks later yeah on the bad company mm-hmm. they, you know they went out there to beat our record which i don't you know we really didn't care much during that it was the 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 cobble billfish tournament and the bisbee so we didn't really have time to mm-hmm. you know deal with all the foolishness on social media mm-hmm they were but, uh, they were live baiting though, weren't they? Yeah, they were live baiting. Yep. They uh from you know don't quote me on this or anything, but uh you know there's been a little feud going on on social media that we weren't a part of, but supposedly from what I know, from what I've seen in the comments, they had eight anglers, four or five mates, and another boat supplying them with bait. But like I said, you know, I, we really don't care. We had a blast that day, so. To us, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> On a real note, though, how many baits did you rig? Um, well, the big thing was we had a little storm uh, come through Cabo a week before we were planning on going up there. So those two days that the port was closed because the port captain in Cabo wouldn't allow you to leave the port, you know, because all the debris from all the ocean, because Cabo is a desert, right? It's part of the Baja California. So when it rains there, nothing gets absorbed by the by the earth it all gets washed out into sea whether it's cars all kinds of stuff so that morning we rigged i'd say 120 put them in some ziplocs put them in the freezer you know just let them thaw out and we rigged another 300 before we run up there as we're running up there so in reality we had 420 baits before we got up there the first day we went up to the potato and uh it's just like 55 miles away from Cabo. And, you know, we had some pretty good fishing there uh, where we caught like 50, an average of a 50 fish a day for like five days. So we tried that out. The boss really wanted to beat the boat record because at that time it was by one of his employees that was 55 in a day. So, you know, he was like, you know, we ain't letting that happen. We got to go up there and beat our record. So that was our main goal, you know, just to beat 55. Well, you the, did that. Before that the big o caught 208 so we knew either it was going to be you know hero or zero after the tor- after the storm which you know and happens in fishing you know one day you're catching them next day you're not so we ran up to the potato didn't catch shit and then we kind of went offshore a little bit for like 15 miles caught one or two and then by then we were only like 40 miles away from mac bay so he was like, you know what? I'm going to just run there. You know, we're just going to fish the last three or four hours of the afternoon, and then we're going to run in into our uh, anchorage. And if they're there, they're there. If they're not, oh, well. You know, we have a fast enough boat to where we can get back to Cabo before sunset. So we get to our spot, which is just south of the Pinnacle, which is one of the most southernest most parts in Mag Bay, and uh, we caught 81 in three hours. <laughs> Sick. Holy shit. So it was, you know, we knew it was going to be a big day the next day after that. So we chugged in nighttime, cold as hell, because it was, you know, just winter was just hitting over there. So it was like 65 degrees. It was rough as hell coming back in. So we only like eight knotted it because it was, you know, dark. And we that was our first time going up there on that boat. So we kind of were iffy about where we were going to go anchor. But um, rigged another 150 baits that day. We went through 112. We're doing 150, so we had 470 
before we went out the 308 day. You know, 120 in the freezer and uh, 350 in our box, basically. We had three trays stacked up with Ballyhoo's. I mean, that that cooler was heavy as hell. <laughs> <laughs> James, I think I asked you before uh, when we were chatting, whenever that was, but do uh, you have any idea of how many bites you received that day exactly? Us that day? Yeah. Yeah, I do. What, what, what would be your best guess? Oh, well, rough guess, I can say that we probably went around 70%, and we probably missed 100 or more. Wow. So we had a total of, like, 450 bites. <laughs> Jesus. Wide open. Insane. So another yeah, question I, I have that I have for you is when I was there a month and a half ago, the fish were fighting really, really hard. Was that the case when you were there too? So the two, or were they just five-second releases? No, well, the big thing was, you know, we had we only had three anglers on the boat. <clears throat> it was uh, the boss man, one of his captains for the other boat that he has in Charleston, the Caramba, and uh, one of his friends, longtime friends, captain of the Summer Girl in Charleston too. So it was, you know, three mates, three anglers. It is gonna, it's gonna be what it's gonna be. We had no teasers, no dredges. So just these three guys and. Nine times out of ten, one of those three guys had one dogging him down and, you know, for a full 30, 40 minutes on a fight, you know, trying, just trying to make his head come over because we were fishing 50-pound and 25-pound mainline. So, you know, we were fishing fairly light for, you know, fishing for striped marlin. Roger that. I mean, that's just crazy. Incredible day. Yeah, absolutely yeah. incredible day. Congratulations to you guys for even pulling that off. That that's just absolutely wild. And what was it like? Was it just birds everywhere and cutters everywhere you we could see? We couldn't even make it to a bait ball, man. I mean, when I'm telling you we were already hooked up and you know had three fish on or four fish on, it was you know what, what like should we just keep going and keep the line coming out of the reel or should we just you know make a circle and try to release these fish? I mean, we couldn't even get to a bait ball. It was that much. I mean, when I'm telling you we would release a fish, you know, pop, you know, the hook would pull out as I'm pulling on the leader or Thomas was pulling on the leader because Thomas easily wired, you know. I think at one point he had three of them on each. He had three of them on one hand and two of them on the other. And he's, like, pulling them, trying to break them off. And, you know, these fucking fish are still trying to eat the other fish's swivel that's in the water. I mean, it was mayhem. How many fish do you think you hooked on a bear hook that day? Probably 30 or 40. <laughs> bear hook, nothing on it, just a hook. Just a little bubble trail and a bear hook, that'll do it. Yep. That's all wow. it was. Wow. Why even bother rigging baits? <laughs> yeah. Hooks Literally. I mean, you yeah, can well, probably ping them all day long. You know, it kind of saved us because by the time we realized how much bait we were going through, we were like, oh, well, we need to pull out, you know, the frozen stuff because you know we don't want to run out and we didn't see a fish that day until 10 o'clock or 9 30 like we had no bites maybe caught one at sun at sunrise and i to be completely honest i remember like the big events that happened that day but from like 11 to 3 it's a blur like when i'm telling you I, all i remember is just you know being right behind the rocket launcher taking off hooks tying bimini's putting on headers, putting on them, putting on baits, handing rods off. And that was my day, like constantly. I, it got to the point where my white t-shirt had a green slime over my shoulder from the way I tied And I still have it. <laughs> wow. I framed that shirt. Yeah, you framed frame that shirt. That's right. You write a big 380 on it and put it in a frame. Yeah, we did. We took a picture with it. The whole, you know, the whole gang took a picture with it. But we stopped fishing around three six oh five, and we started chugging in. My boss, you know, obviously he came out and he said, you know, thank you very much, you guys. You know, this has been a great, memorable time. You know, I appreciate all the hard work you guys did. And then he was like, so how many we catch? I was like, you really want to know? I look up to the cat because I kind of had, you know, my. Uh, I have a sequence to, you know, putting on the door, how many slashes 
and how many misses and how many catches we got with like my sweat, I couldn't keep up. That door was covered. Let's <laughs> <laughs> look at the door. <laughs> you know, we haven't had time to clean up. And what's funny is that one of my buddies, Gatorade, that he poured at 9.30 in the morning was still there in the rocket launcher at 6.30 at night. Didn't have a chance to drink. We're going to the bathroom while fighting fish. Nobody ate lunch, you know. I mean, these guys were definitely hard, hardcore fishermen. <clears throat> so what's it like in that kind of situation working for Ben Polk? Because I've met Ben, and he's one of the funniest dudes I've met ever. Dude, when I'm telling you, like, we were just like, you know, we, we were like catching fish, this and that. And I don't know where this, I tell him all the time, I'm like, Ben, I don't know where you pull this out of, but where do you come up with this stuff? You know, how are you so freaking funny sometimes to where like nobody can do whatever they're doing because you're just going on and on. And it was, to be honest, I've, and I keep saying it this to this day, Ben's one of the best boat handlers in the industry. He made magic happen on that boat that day. We got to the point where... We're worried about fish coming under our bow and going over on the other side. But Ben kind of figured out a way to, you know, advert all that and, you know, kind of wiggle around it. Come to find out, I was looking over the side and I'm like, man, that line's straight across and it's not going in the wheels. Well, Ben left the sonar down and the line would catch on the sonar too. So the line would never go into our wheels. Awesome. So to this day, even while we were fishing tournaments, if a blue marlin or a sailfish got caught, as long as our sonar tube was down, we weren't really worried about it going on the wheels as long as it went under the, the bow. Incredible. That's genius. <clears throat> genius. Game-changing stuff, that's for sure. <laughs> Game-changer. little trick that can make that big of a difference. Game-changing yeah. stuff there. So, so, so what was it like um, on that boat, right? Because that boat cruises at, what, 38 knots? Uh, yeah, Ben kind of runs it a little bit, a little bit uh, slower. That way, we can you know do stuff in the back, and uh, he runs it around you know thirty-seven. It jumps between thirty-seven and thirty-eight knots. Gotcha. And that's you know, and for a bayless boat, you know, it rides like a champ. I mean, it's just so smooth, so clean. I mean, when we're coming back in and we're doing thirty-seven knots, we got to get everything done because we're about to be at the dock, you know. Especially fishing the tournaments, you know the only the only real guys that you know we were ever worried about catching us is obviously the target. Mm-hmm. You know, they're fast as hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, the smooth move and the vaquero. You know they're the only boats that are really really fast. So we have this kind of competition: who can get as much done before they get to the dock? You know. <laughs> I mean, if we run my sixty-two Spencer, we're running right now. We're sitting at like 32, 33 and a half knots. And we're getting blown by, by some boats. Yeah. It's crazy. When, when we were on the Hey Chama, back when uh, we did the Lek 3 2019, we got passed by everyone, because we were cruising at 30, 30 flat. And it was insane to see. Literally, the entire fleet would pass us. Yeah, I mean, you as you know, John got used to that because he was running his... Uh, is is Ricky Scarborough with mm-hmm. a single screw. Mm-hmm. So it literally, you know, he would be doing 22, 23 knots, and every single boat passed him for like the last eight or nine years. Mm-hmm. And he finally, obviously, built a great, great boat, and now he's passing everybody. Have I mean, you, he's, he's you, you getting fished, payback. You fished on the Tar Heel, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I fished on it. We, we I went... Uh, I went up to Mac Bay with him and, you know, did some fun stuff with him. And how and how, so, how was that? No, go ahead, Chase. So I have a question. The Game Changer has the tower on it and the Tar Heel doesn't. Do you feel like there's a difference between them? Uh, it's a, in my, in my view, I think they're almost a completely different boat. Like ride-wise ride, ride wise and speed-wise and everything or no? Everything. I mean, the way it just, you know, it turns, the way it rides the waves, the way... Because you can feel... Because John Bayless only has a single uh, screen in front of him. He doesn't have a full enclosure. We do. We have a full tower. We got a higher hardtop. 
you know, it's it's a big difference in both. Yeah, I fished I fished right behind the game changer this past leg on the chasing tail. And every day when I get in I look at that boat and I'd be like, that's just a sexy boat. I when when we were in Costa Rica, um when we were heading back in the last day and we have those like gyro stabilized binoculars, right? And you would literally see like one white tower like passing everything and a red bullet, which is the smooth move. It's 74 Spencer with the big MTUs right behind it. Boom. And they would literally just disappear on the horizon. It's insane. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, yeah. Where are you at, yeah, well, it definitely, it's, it's, it's a big difference in, uh, in boats. I mean, like I said, I was, you know, me and Alex worked on the, on the wrapped up. And, you know, that was a 22, 23 knot boat. A uh, wooden right. boat and a merit of that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want to go much yeah. faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But all right, James. Well, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. James, you're the man, dude. dude you're the man. I'll, I'll see you everything. soon, brother. Yeah, man. I'll talk to you all soon. Have, have a all good right, time, see you, James. Man. Thanks for coming on. Win that thing. All right, I'll yeah, talk to you soon. Talk to you soon now. All right, all thanks for coming on, buddy. I'll talk to you. Bye, bye. James is awesome. Class act, that guy. James is awesome. He's a great dude. He's the man. The man. His, I'm, I'm not kidding, though. His captain is probably one of the funniest people I've ever met. And, like, listen to my captain talk about him and tell stories cracks me up <laughs> of just the things he comes up with. Nice, dude. Sick. But. So what's going on? I mean, I know we have the sailfish bite over in Costa Rica. That's absolutely insane right now. Um, you know, I heard a story the other day, actually not a story, but I climbed upstairs to tell the owner of my boat that, you know, uh, one of my buddies caught 80 and John looks at me, he's like, yeah, the Vaquero caught 160 yesterday. And I was like, holy crap. You know, this is mag bay numbers coming out of Costa Rica, out of Los Sueños right now. I mean, have you guys heard anything about anybody doing insane numbers like that? Yeah, my uh, good buddy Ricky Testa, he's over there. He works on the Milan. He's not fishing with them. I'm not sure who he's fishing with exactly, but he keeps giving me crazy reports, crazy, you know, almost triple-digit bite, triple bite days. Um, and he says the guys on the Goose have been doing real well. I guess they've been catching. They caught 80 or something the other day, and I guess weren't even fishing that long. So... I've been hearing from him. He's pretty much my Costa Rican pal that I talk to, and from him, it sounds like it's wide open. I, the only problem is, I think it's outside the boundaries, from my understanding, for the tournament. From what I from what I heard, I spoke to Jorge, um, who's the mate on the Tar Heel, and he said it's about seventy miles out. I think that, and I believe that the boundary is sixty miles. Yeah, so. I heard ten miles outside the boundary. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Skip Jack, weren't weren't you telling us that you got a report um, today? Yeah, one of my buddies caught uh, 120 sailfish, um, one blue and one stripe. Slam. So we got a nice little slam there. There you go. Triple digit in a slam. What else do you want? <laughs> I mean, that doesn't get much better than that right there. Yeah, yeah I'd be cool with that. Yeah, <laughs> I think anybody would. But yeah. I think in, in general, I think the selfish numbers in Los Sueños have kind of degraded a little bit because I remember back in the day, I'm talking maybe four or five years ago, like even in the tournaments, you know, the top boats catch 40 a day. And now, you know, if you're lucky, you catch 19 in the blue or two blues and, and 10. I mean, that kind of goes for anything, though. I mean, look at how the sailfish have been showing up here in Florida lately. Oh, my God. They're the, here and then they're The gone. sailfish get – they're here, they're gone. They get later and later every year. Something's going on that's different, and I don't know what it is. I'm sure there's going to be guys who say they know what it is. But, it's COVID. I mean, it's COVID. <laughs> it's COVID's fault. I mean, just these past but, three days. I mean, yeah, I mean, the last two days we've seen 13 fish, and then come today, didn't see a single fish today. I mean, I know one of my buddies that caught one, and the rest of everybody said fishing was terrible, was slow. Granted, the conditions weren't well, that, as good, but you'd expect at least to be a few fish being caught after all those fish. Yeah, you, that's like, most definitely. 
I mean, even the last two days, we went to throw kites up like you guys, you know, because normally we're dead baiting all the time. And we went to put kites up, which, you know, that's fun and all its own. I was like, oh boy, this is going to be a blast. We, uh, the first thing that happened to us, I get two kites up and I was like, all right, you know, you guys haven't kite fished that much. So let's just run two baits off each kite and we'll just kind of go from there. And the first thing we raised two days ago was a triple. Nice. And I was like, oh yeah, this is awesome. We didn't catch a single one of those. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh no. You know, uh, but they, they were little fish. And at one point my boss had one of the sails pretty much hanging from the kite. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, do something, pop the clip. And it just never came off. Yeah, flick that line. As soon as it, flick it, flick it. As soon as it started hanging, it like started wiggling its head and then just came off the hook and like fell back in the water. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Went back, loosened all my clips, and then my goggle eyes popped the clips. I've noticed that. There's been a few small fish around. I caught a little squeaker. Yeah, like, caught a little squeaker uh, yesterday, I guess it was. Tiny little guy. Yeah, I don't care how many puts up a flag. Yeah, whatever. They're all 18 by 12 on the regular, am I right? Right. Oh, yeah. You know I mean, I saw I saw Steve. Uh, Steve had a good day and then capped it off the next day with a blue marlin. Yeah, dude. Steve. Out of Palm Beach. Yeah, me, Tuna Tony, and uh, Steve, we went out, what was it, Tuesday, Monday? I don't know. We caught nine out of 11. We were trying for a 10th bite hard and just never happened for us, and um i guess the day before that they were five for nine and then i went fishing the very next day and caught three and got held up for a couple hours on something else and i don't know how many more we would have caught but it seemed like they started to bite pretty good i know captain jimmy Coyle and tyler morris they went out there and they caught eight out of 11 in just a few hours and slowed down a lot yesterday and i heard from the guys down south the water got a little green and now we're back to uh, where we were a couple weeks ago yeah, and you know what drives me crazy about that is, you know, just last week you had my buddy Luke Luke's, they were on that Invincible, they caught, uh, what was it, 19. But when they were out there, they were saying that on each wave they were seeing when they were tailing, they were seeing 10, 15 fish at a time come down a wave. I mean, they must have seen 100 fish that day, they said. Yeah, it was crazy. They were all tailing like crazy. They were catching fish, and then poof, they're gone. All the time. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like they're moving through, but they're moving in a hurry and not staying like they were last year. Right, but... And honestly, you know, even fishing in Stewart, you know, kite fishing in Stewart, I was sitting there, and after we caught our first sail off the kite... Congratulations. We had... Thank you. <laughs> uh, we had uh, probably six to seven bull sharks behind the boat for the rest of the day. We had one more sailfish bite like five minutes later, and then we couldn't get another one. And we couldn't get away from the sharks. They just stuck with us the now, whole time. Chase, you know how I feel about sharks. And I do have to say, I'm not a fish, and I don't know what they're thinking. But it does seem that no matter what the water looks like, if there's current, if there's proper conditions, if there's sharks within sight, fishing is usually poorer than when there's no sharks around. I think that the fish are definitely catching on to the shark being near the boat and... They're like, I don't plan on uh, feeding around a shark. Well, that's one of the things like my captain and I were talking about. We were like, you know, is this is this slowing down because of them? You know, I think here in Southeast I, Florida, definitely, hundred percent. You know, and that that brings me to the question of whether or not you know, when these fish are traveling through, are they getting the hell out of here because of the sharks? I think that they you know, just, I, uh, it makes sense to me that, you know, if there's a pack of 12, 500 pound bull sharks around your boat and your kite baits uh, 50 yards from the corner of your boat and a sail swims up to it and you get a window shop and sailfish because, I mean, it makes sense to me that, you know, they don't want to put the brakes on and stop traveling because they probably see that pack of sharks and they go, no, thank you. I know if I was a sailfish, I'd probably do that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've run in like four piers, you know, when we've been fishing up there, you know, you would know, Chase, the fishing in Fort Pierce this year wasn't exactly that great compared to, like, last year. Oh, 100%. Yeah, but you don't see as many sharks up there as you do, like, in Jupiter. No. No. Anywhere there's... No, that, that was what surprised me because I was like, normally we don't have, like, when we're dead baiting, we don't have Never. that issue. I mean, granted, we're always I've, moving. I've got, you know, I had a, uh, 
a bull shark this year or a hammerhead this year tees like a blue marlin behind oh my that God, that was pretty cool Bullfin out of the water coming up chasing it john stugel had oh yeah it was it was insane oh, yeah. everyone was freaking out they're like what's that <laughs> i i put a bait in front of it i was trying to hook it <laughs> yeah we ended up hooking ours it was kind of funny but yeah yesterday we ended up you know we got the sharks behind us and we were like we did catch a cobia off them there you go but yeah that was the one thing cool. i noticed though but, with the hammerheads is generally from what i've noticed and from what i've heard from other people if there's hammerheads around there's tailfish around oh yeah lesser hammerheads sure yeah the only problem was when we saw the hammerhead it was early in the season we only caught like two sailfish that that's day. crazy that's i don't know maybe they go down too i heard a couple i heard a couple fish caught on the bottom rod a couple sails so and you know fishing's been getting pushed in real shallow too and i know this time of year at least for us in palm beach just south of the inlet there you'll get sails coming in there and shower and ballyhoos and 15 foot of water so maybe they're in there who knows where they go there's no skipjack (laughs) skipjack this is probably a question more i mean alex you'll know as well but when it comes to fishing the outboard because you have both you have the outboard and you have the inboards on the walk around which do you prefer when it comes to kite so from what I've noticed, a lot of guys on center consoles tend to fish their kites farther away from the boat. You know, sport fishers, you have that, you know, that deep humming sound from the motors and the sailfish seem to love it. You know, they'll come right up to the boat. From what I've noticed, sailfish, from what I've noticed, they don't really like the outboards as much. They don't like either the noise or the sound it makes, whatever it may be. I've always noticed keeping your kites farther away from the center console has been much more effective for me compared to being on a sport fish. On a sport fish, we'll keep our base real close. But on center consoles, we'll keep them a little bit farther away. But I'm looking at, like, you know, the tournament results and stuff like that from the tournaments this year and last year and how years prior, you look at it and you're like, oh, man, you got, you know, the Showtime, obviously, which is an outboard. You have all these other guys, and it seems like you see, you know, the Bar South, they always do well. Um, you know, it's funny. But, what's the what's know, the thing that bar south and center consoles have in common? They're fast. You know, it all depends. You know, in rough weather, you'd probably want a sport fish. You can move farther distances, you know, more comfortably on a center console. You know, and it's calm. You you have that speed. You can go make those moves. That's why you know that tournament Art Sap, when they won it, they fished the center console the first day because it was a little bit calmer, and on the second day they fished the sport fish because it was a lot rougher. So I know that you've probably heard of this before, Skipjack, but on a boat with multiple outboard engines, um, when I say multiple, I mean more than two, um, shutting off, if it's calm enough, shutting off your inboard engines. If you've got quads, both inboard engines, shut them off. Especially with Yamahas, there's a lot of clunk to them sometimes going in and out of gear. I've fished with several really good, uh, really good live bait fishermen that, that kind of swear by that, and I've run a couple of little boats and done the same thing and i don't know if it makes a difference or not but i'm sure it does but i could also say about sail fishing only sail fishing with live baits with kites especially um fishing on a an outboard might be more effective than on a sport fishing boat because it's easier to continue fishing while you are trying to release a fish you walk it up to the bow you spin them up there your spread is out behind you and your fish is out in front of you yeah and you got your guys dialed in everybody that's in the back is looking backwards like they're supposed to and the mate and the angler and the captain are focused on catching the fish at the bow oh yeah and most of the time you can release a fish a lot faster than center console you have a lot more torque you can move a lot quicker you know if that fish goes to the right and it just shifts right back to the right or back to the left or whatever you may do make a hard turn you can turn the wheel real quick and get right back on and get that quick release and keep fishing Sport fish, especially on the bigger ones, a little bit more time turning that boat. So definitely have a little bit of an advantage, you know, typically releasing fish <clears> on the I think the ideal uh, live baiting, kite fishing, whatever you want to call it, uh, boat would be an inboard walk around because it is it is a pain to have those motors in the way when you're trying to put a spread out, yeah. especially the Mercury's. 
um, with their with their labeling. So yeah. you get your forty pound stuck in there almost every time. We actually took them off of our motors. Those those. Labels. Yeah, I know that they're they're sending them out of factory now. Yeah. With the labels. Yeah. So we, we took all of ours off because we kept getting them stuck in there. When you're reeling them back in, you have to walk over there and take it out. No yep. way. Same you same know. on the off course, and yep, you get a boot full of water every time. <laughs> I had no <laughs> idea. part of the day too when you fill up your boots full of water. Yeah, you're water. dry all day, and then you got to climb over because the ding dong reeled his bait up into the cowling, and then you. uh Got a boot full of water. Nothing's worse than a boot full of water. See, I, did, I had no idea that was. I had no idea of that. Yeah, me neither. Oh. Yeah, I've only I've only kite fished on inboard boats, you know, like sporties, and I can tell you we didn't have that issue. Well, you don't have big cowlings back there with little creases in them to catch that twenty pound or your fluoro, whatever you may mm-hmm. catch. It's gonna catch something, though. I promise. Yeah, it will. <laughs> <laughs> and you're gonna say one word every I, time. Fuck. <laughs> that's super interesting actually that's wow yeah so Very if any Apple production people are listening out there any guys from yamaha or mercury or evan rude whatever it may be um keep your keep your cowlings clean yeah and back Increase to the three. thing i do that same thing as well where you turn off those two center motors yeah i figured you'd know about that really? I, I think that's becoming pretty well known um I've heard there's a trick when, when in the dead weight world where they like you turn on or off your water maker depending on how the bite is. So if it's turned on and they're biting, you keep it on. And if it's turned, if it's not going well, you turn it off. And I've see. heard that before. Yeah, I've heard people running their central vacuum too. Whatever they can do to get the right hum going, I guess. <laughs> you know, one thing is we have we have the thirty four twelves in our boot, and I don't know what it is about the lope in those things. But fish love them. Like I had, a, I had a white marlin this year that teased all the way up to the point where it's almost in our, uh, in our exhaust. And I was like, dude, like I can gaff this. Do you just want to? <laughs> like if I stick a gaff in it real quick, tag him real quick, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just tag him circle tag. Good, but... Oh yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, a we hum is up. definitely a thing. We were just talking about the fifty-five merit previously known as the wrapped up. I'm not sure what it is now. But uh I tell you what, the blue marlins in Abaco, they came to that thing. I mean I'd be in the tower and I'd call out something and I wouldn't even know what to call it. I'd just say, uh left dredge, I guess. He's way in front of it, but he's about to eat the wheels. I mean that was a fishy, fishy boat. And I fished on a couple other boats that are like that too, where they just come to that boat, so was was Andy Ford and, yeah, running the Andy Ford, yeah, yes, sir. Andy's Andy's a fish. Dude, Andy, dude. yep. And when he gets that fish behind the boat, you're gonna catch it, unless you whiff him, which happened. <laughs> usually, <laughs> usually I, my I fault. Got, I know him. He got fired up about it too. Didn't oh yeah, he? watch out for that water bottle coming down at you. <laughs> oh, the one that he peed in. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Nice. He he, he damn that good part. fisherman, that guy. Yeah, he ran that boat uh, right next to me in the Gold Cup, uh, the Coral yep, Sea or yep. something like that. Oh, yeah. yeah, how about it? Yeah. yeah. Had, in contention. Yeah, they had a good He's tournament. dangerous here, man, especially here in Florida. He's dangerous. I'm sure anywhere you bring him, he's dangerous. But Abacos and in Florida, watch out. That guy's fishing against you. Yeah, he's always on it. I'm... My the first experience I had with him, I met him uh, through a buddy of mine. Michael was fishing with him every once in a while when he was on the wrapped up. But they got that new '61 Spencer now, uh, and I think they just put a sonar in that. They got the whole. Their team works. is dialed, and I mean dialed. They are some. Those guys are some good fishermen over there. Uh, I know Chris Lazara, the owner, and a couple of his crew members actually were just over there in, I believe it was Costa Rica, fishing the Masters. And I think um, maybe two or three of the crew members on Wrapped Up Fish, but all they all placed top five in, wow. in the Masters. Yeah, yeah. Chris, Chris actually fished the last day on the Mjolnir, uh, which that tournament is definitely interesting. But he fished the last day on the Mjolnir, and when he was hopping off, I walked over and talked to him. And I was like, how do you guys do this dead boat thing? Like, I want to back down, I want to back down fast and release that fish. And he's like, I don't know, there's something about catching one that's just not moving. Yeah, flip them. You know, or... <laughs> Wait. 
Poland. Wait, I Poland actually, I, I, I'm not, fo I'm not following actually. So what that that turn is called, called the Masters, and the rule is that you can't back up. As soon as you're tight, the boat it's comes a, out of gear, and you do not move. It actually goes into it actually goes into reverse to stop all forward yeah. momentum. And then you're dead boat. The rules, if you Leo, if you ever want a cool read, sit down and read the rules to that. It's invitation only. The like board members have to approve you. You, it's crazy the amount of stuff you have to do. And to that's get into called it. the masters in Costa Rica. It's in Costa. It's been in Costa Rica. Uh, it's been in Mexico. It's been in Florida. It's been a. Uh, Why would anyone want to fish that tournament? <laughs> it's a true gentleman. It's a true gentleman's. Uh, you know, anglers tournament, man. You're cranking in a sailfish, and it's on time. You lose points on time. If you catch your fish within the first five minutes, it counts for X amount of points. If it takes you over five, it counts for less. If it takes you over ten, I think it gets DQ'd. Oh, so all the guys commenting yeah. on Instagram saying backing down is stupid. They're all like chanting and cheering in that tournament on. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's 100%. the whole point of the tournament is that you're fighting a billfish without backing down. You're you're putting some heat on that sucker. I think it's, a, it's always a 30-pound tournament. I don't think there's any uh, – I don't know if there's like a blue marlin pitch or what. what I mean, I think it's, a blue marlin, you're allowed to like back down on. It's only sailfish. No, the blue the blue marlin. Now you have to cut off. Oh, really? It doesn't. It you know, doesn't we should try and get somebody, a veteran fisherman of the Masters, or somebody that knows more about it, on the next podcast, maybe. I I I know the guys on Instagram that always are against uh, backing down. The the male Karens, the male Karens are going to be very delighted too. <laughs> I think I think most of the people have never even hooked a billfish because if they have, they'd be like, eh, "I can't reel this in." Yeah, he's <laughs> ripping. I mean, we, I'd sit there and you know I'd sit up on the bridge watching the spread, and while we were in Costa Rica, and I'd listen to them call it in. They're like, "Boat number eight, angler number six, uh, three minutes and twelve yeah. seconds," and I'm like the fuck is going on i mean you're there? talking basics of sport fishing here observers and you know all the well, your anglers like, switch boats every day so there's two anglers per boat and they i believe it's two and they switch boats every day so they don't fish on the same boat yeah every day. and they get they each get one side and they switch a side every 30 minutes yeah or i think they like work that. something out then, or something like that there's been a lot of really good then, stories and really good uh tournament fishing come out of the masters so if you hook a double, the first person that's hooked up is in control of the boat, and you're competing against the guy that you're fishing with. So it's like, if you really, you have control of the boat. So in the rules, they can keep the ass end of the boat square with your yeah, fish. Yeah, a lot of spin. So if you're, the, if, if you're the first one that hooks up, you have control of the boat. So technically, you could fuck off the other guy's fish if you really wanted to, but they try to keep it like yeah. gentleman-like so that way it doesn't happen. And I'm sure, you know, I've never been on a boat that did it, but these guys, you know, you're competing against that guy with you, and I'm sure for some of them it's like, ah, do I really want him to catch that? You know, he's a fish ahead of me. You know, and I'm sitting there. I'm, I mean, I never fish it, but I read the rules, and I was like, oh These my tournaments are for – uh, top of the line anglers and stuff like that. You know, we're talking guys with legendary programs out there that are fishing the Masters. You'd be very surprised to see an angler list of the Masters and the boats that they're affiliated with. And then you realize, okay, this is the real deal of sail fishing or well, bill also fishing. It, also, it is a very respected tournament. Oh, extremely. Yeah, oh, yeah, the highest so, of the high. The oh, is it use? really? So it's not yeah. like okay. Cause... Uh, yeah, we're talking. You know, all these families, the Volas, Creamers. Okay. Now we're talking Lazaras. You know, all these guys that have boats. Their dads had boats. They've been fishing. These are this is top of the line stuff. The Masters for sure. Interesting. It it literally says in the rules that being chosen to be a part of it is so selective because there's only so many boats that are good enough for them to use so they hold not only the anglers but they hold the boat and the crew to a high esteem and it's like it says that straight up in the rules it's it's yeah. insane definitely uh definitely definitely the real deal like 
I know you're not allowed to like, if you're a mate, you're not allowed to be like, all right, there's one on the right teaser, you know, hold your bait there. You know, you can't tell, you can't assist the angler in, you know, where to put their bait or anything. You can tell them where the fish is, but you cannot tell them where to put a bait. Wow. You know, so for me, that would go against everything that I do. Cause I'm like, crank your bait up like four cranks and then put it in freeze fall and hold it. Crank right it up, crank it up you like know? five inches. All right. It's coming at you. <laughs> You can say it in your head. I'm sure they all do. Oh, yeah. I'm, sh I'm sure every single one of those mates Whis is in there whispering. going, oh. These are guys to fish in this tournament, Leah. These are the guys that they've gone beyond uh, missing. You know, like, they're not worried. The, the Getting the bite and getting tight is not the hard part for them. That's why they're doing dead boats. So it makes it more difficult to actually physically reel in the fish. I hear you. You know, speaking, speaking of tournaments, you know, in, in general, when you guys are fishing a tournament, like tournament versus recreational fishing, you know, just a fun fishing day, you know, for me, I go into it, you know, kind of the same. Uh, but that's because of John Mead, my captain. He just, you know, he's diehard every day and he just wants to go catch as many as he can, which all of us oh, yeah. want to do. But when you go into it, you know, there is that like adrenaline that kicks in that morning of a tournament that gives you that extra kick versus when you walk down to the boat to go on a fun fishing day. But I mean, for you guys, do you feel like there's, uh, I try to make every day a fun day and fish as hard as you can every day. Um, but there's definitely more pressure in a tournament, but you try to, I, I try to put that aside. I'm a firm believer in, you know, energy on the boat. You got to have good energy. You got to, everybody's got to be, Everybody's got to be having a good time. Everybody's got to be getting along, and everybody's got to be on the same page. The second you get that one Debbie Downer on the boat, and the guy's just Something's pissed off, or he's just whatever that day, he's just not feeling it, you'll feel that vibe going around. Yeah, or something happens. There's a, there's a fight. There's a, you know, things happen when we're fishing. People yell. People get excited. It's all heat of the moment stuff. It's never usually anything personal, but... I think that uh, to stay away from those things on a tournament day will help you in the long run. Oh, yeah. But obviously with tournament stuff, I think the biggest, for me personally, what I do different on tournaments is, uh, you know, what's it called? The Anything that can happen will happen law comes into play a lot Murphy. more. Well, yeah. yeah, Murphy's law comes into play. I mean, there's a little bit of chafe on a leader on a fun fishing day. Whatever. You know, put it back out there. I mean, if we lose them, it would suck, but... It's not a not a huge deal, but I mean, any little you know little bit of chafe in your line or anything that can go wrong, yeah, prevent it. You want those people to feel happy. You, you know, want them to be excited about you know catching fish. A lot of times in the tournaments, you get behind. You know, you're in the middle of the pack or whatever. You know, you start to lose interest. You start to pay attention a little less. You know, you always got to tell yourself you're one good decision away from winning a tournament. You know, anything can happen. You can find your own bite all by yourself. You have to be ready. You never know. I mean, look at Art Sapp in the last tournament. Um, what was it? The uh, Jimmy Johnson yeah. in the middle yeah. of the pack the second day. And what happened? They made one move, one good move, and boom, they went right up the leaderboard. Got to keep a positive attitude. Absolutely. You got to stay with it. You got to have fun. And a lot of tournament day stuff that I've been trying to stray away from, I fish a lot of different boats in a lot of different tournaments. Everybody's always worried about everybody else. And so we're looking at the leaderboard. We're looking at this. They just caught one here. They just caught one there. You get psyched out. Okay. And people get psyched out all the time. Next thing you know, you've made 10 moves and you've moved more than you fished. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, a big thing I see is where it gets in the anglers heads, you know, where, you know, in a, in a fun fishing day, they miss a fish and they're like, ah, you know, that it happens in a tournament fishing day, you know, they miss a fish. And then the next fish that comes up, they're trying to figure out what they did wrong on the last one. And you, you know, as mates and, you know, as captains, we kind of have to, you know, balance them out a little bit and tell them, hey, you know, you're good. Shit just I, happens. My, it's bill yeah. fishing. It's not. Yeah, my anglers, if they're good and they already know what they're doing and they mess up and I can tell they beat, they're beating themselves up, I always say the same thing to everybody. It doesn't matter if it's a girl, if it's a guy, if it's a kid. Shit happens. Move on. Yeah, and as a captain, you can't lose your cool when the, you start yeah. losing fish. You have to keep your guys positive attitude. Like, hey, no problem, guys. Like, we'll get the next one. Like, Yep, Here, we'll, we'll get the next one. Don't worry about it. Move on. I mean, 
I'll be completely honest with you. It's it's gotten me a couple of times where it's gotten my head like everybody. I think all of us it has. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a thin line. I think there's a thin I, line, especially with captains, when at certain with certain angles you got to be tough on them to perform, and then with other angles you got to kind of you know be nice with them and be like, hey man, it happens. When you're a captain, you're a leader. You're leading that team. You need to be like, come on, guys, let's go catch another one. You know, like we're in this. You know, you got to be you're coaching, you're leading, you're you can't be out there saying, oh, well, if we would have caught that second fish out of that double, you know, we'd be sitting here instead of there. And it's like, if you did that, I think that's a recipe for disaster for you. The so that captain loses interest, your whole crew just loses it. They do not care about it. You know, you got to be in it as a captain you have composure to leader keep them moving keep them going and if you have a if you have a terrible like, day a lot of these tournaments are two days that's why they make them two-day tournaments mm-hmm. go out there you get them the next day oh, yeah. and you know what if you have a terrible tournament For you go example, out there and get them the next tournament it happens to everybody everybody has their bad tournaments i mean the one day like you know in the mid-atlantic we had a charter on the boat and the mates were hooking fish so myself and marshall who fishes on the wrapped up we were hooking fish and you know, I, I started my day 0 for 4 by, like, 10 o'clock. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I actually climbed upstairs and put myself <laughs> in timeout. <laughs> um, and I'm sitting upstairs, you know, just watching the spread. And my cabin looks at me and he goes, hey, I've been doing this for years. And I had a day in Ocean City where I went 0 for 10. So, you know, get back down there and get back in it. And then, you know, the next one was the right teaser bite. Tease the fish all the way up comes up and you know he's in like the first wake just staring at me in clean water and i was like oh this is gonna be a cakewalk and uh luckily i hooked that fish and we caught it but i was i mean i was in my own head so like i understand where these anglers you know for for us we have the same anglers for almost every tournament unless we do a charter like that day and you know i've watched them go through their really highs and really lows and you know but when you get them fun fishing it's like they don't have those highs and lows, you know, they just kind of mellow out and there's not that pressure. And, you know, I just, I think in my opinion, if you can get that vibe where every day is a fun fishing day, it's the best thing for a boat. Well, you got to get both vibes. You got to get every day's a tournament and every day's a fun fishing day. Mm -hmm. A fun tournament day every day. You go out there and you fish hard every day, especially if you got these guys that are be, that are good to you, it's good clients. There's nothing I like. Nothing makes me happier than to make people, you know, people. Just the guys I had yesterday, they were stoked. Some guys from Connecticut. We went four for five, and they were just that was my uh, one guy told me is 61 years old. He said I can't remember in the past 20 years day I had this much fun. I'm like, well, then I did my job, dude. I was beating myself up a little bit. I was like, well, I wish I would have stayed this place because my buddy caught a lot more there in the afternoon. I wish I would have. And they were like, dude. Don't worry about it. Who cares? <laughs> you, you, you were running that. Boat, uh, right? Yesterday, yeah. Oh, boy. Happy. Captain Alex. Yeah, I was pissing people off out there. <laughs> it was it was like a party. Yeah, it was lot tough fishing. Though. That much pressure on him. Yeah, but well, there was Blue Marlin caught yesterday here, so. You know, we had, we had this question asked to us. Uh, someone asked us to put this on the pod and uh, it came to a point Wait, that we made last it? week uh, I can tell you in a minute um, I gotta look through the Instagram uh, but someone asked should there be a separate division for Sonar His oh name no it's Wack. Wayne it's Wayne I just checked it it's Wayne yeah Wayne um but he said, should there be a separate division in these tournaments for guys with sonar and guys yeah, without sure. sonar? Right, correct. Mm. And, well, there's a, like my first you still got to drive near them, even if you have a sonar. You might be able to drive a little bit past them if you don't have a sonar, but you still got to go near them, even with the sonar. So, I mean, my thing is, and I've said this to, you know, my captain, you know, in our tournaments, but you got to drive, you got to drive over them. You know, they, they, 
here's you know, a good uh here's a good example yesterday i know the crazy salts went fishing yesterday they might have done a little corner trip or something like that they went fishing somewhere and uh they've been killing it from the They've been crushing it. Um, so somebody's like, man, that's sonar. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure Keith Greenberg was catching multiple blue marlin bites a day over there, way before he had a sonar. So I don't know. The sonar, we talked about this last podcast. It's new technology, and I, I don't know much about it at all. So I'll let you guys take that question. But in my opinion, no, to answer, to answer uh, Wayne's question, should there be a separate division? I would I think some tournaments had the division and some tournaments didn't. I think it might just come down to their opinion, maybe. I mean, for me, like, you know, yeah, we see a fish on the sonar, and, yeah, it's awesome, and we end up calling it a sonar bite. Um, but it comes to the question of how many times, if you drive within 300 feet of that fish, how many times is he going to come bite you anyways? You know, it's... For me, it's about being in the right spot to start with. Yeah, the sonar it prepares has a you, giant, gives you a uh, heads up. Yeah, but at the same time, you're kind of sitting there and you're like, okay, you know, I mean, if you have a mate in the cockpit and he's watching the spread, how many times would he see that fish on the left? Well, how many times like, do you see? How many times do you see a fish on the sonar and not get a bite out of it? Uh, yeah, more times than actual sonar bites. Yeah, so the sonar may be not doing it for you. It's just helping. It's just another tool. Well, the thing is, you can get caught up following a fish on the sonar. You know, you follow that fish for a mile, and then you're a mile away from where you were just fishing, and who knows, maybe where you were at just outside of a mile away was, or just outside of a 1,000 feet away was, you know, two blue marlins instead of one. And then you just followed this one for a mile and a half and never got I mean, a point how many out. times are you running over a rock pile sail fishing? You mark those fish over a rock pile and you run them over, you know, 10, 15 times and you can't get them to come up. Yeah. I also do think it depends per location too. Like if you're at somewhere like Mac Bay, you sort of won't help you with anything because it's just so many and you're sight fishing. But if it's somewhere like, you know, we're doing the oil rigs, um, I don't know much about that whole fishery. We got to get a guest on the pod that can explain that to us. But I believe the sonar really helps there because there's not as much blue marlin action. So that sonar helps find it. So it's definitely a deep water tool. Yeah, I think it's it's 100 a deep water tool. So the whole South Florida thing, not really much use there. I'd say. I think no. especially where the blue marlins are, and you're not and like one or two are gonna make it for you. That's where I think it really gets in handy well apparently there's there's an omni sonar I, I, I don't know exactly what it's called i can never remember off the top of my head but there is one of those sonars for shallow water which oh really yeah they, they do have one for shallow water and that's actually the one we're putting in our boat you know to see if it would make a difference at all you know kite fishing you know you know you, you, especially in tailing conditions if you're you know not say just you know you're looking back at the spread and you look down the sonar you mark one up in front of you i don't know how high up in the water column it's going to look but it's potential that it could help. If we have a listener that's like an expert on Omni sonars, send us a message. That way we can have them on and just fire questions at, at about this topic. Yeah, 100%. I'd love to learn more about them, especially yeah. the Alabar ones. For sure. I know Joe over at Custom Marine Electronics in North Carolina, he, he, did, he did electronics in our boat, and he's doing them as we speak. I mean, he's the man. He's... One of the guys. The man. Yeah, you know him, right? Customer. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, I know him from the Bayless yard. Yeah, he's, he's, he's the man. So maybe we yep. can have him on the pod just kind of answer some questions. That'd be nice. What do you got next? Yeah, buddy. Alex, Alex I got a good question for you. How was it, dude? Popping your... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Light tackle, too. I mean, that's kind of like everybody's goal. Yeah, I mean, that's that's got to be one of the most insane things. He was catching on 20-pound with 40-pound fluoro. I mean, and three hours. If, if we hook another one, I'm not fighting it. <laughs> it was no, an I'll, epic battle, I'll, I'll fellas. It. it was fun. Uh, my body is still sore. Back, forearms. Uh, approximately like three hours, but maybe coming up to three hours and a half, somewhere in there. Um I don't know exactly, but 
yeah, we fought the, fought it for a while. I only had two other guys with me. L- luckily, there's two other guys. Usually on that program that I was fishing on specifically, it's only just the boss, and he's a elder gentleman, and he I don't know how he'd do with that tuna for how long he would be able to last, but I don't think he wanted any part of it, to be honest with you. But I kind of looked at them, and they were like, so what are we going to do? And I'm like, well, we're going to catch it. He's like, well, what if it takes us all day? I'm like, then you guys can leave me out here. I got somebody to come pick me up. I'm not going in until this thing chafes off or until I catch it. So, yeah, you know how it is, if, Skip Jack. I mean, you guys, too. If you're Anywhere you're fishing, if you hook something oh, I mean, that you know is the fish of the lifetime dark. for that area, anyways, I mean, you better stay and catch it. Have a, you know, make the best of our day. I mean, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we hook a big elephant right before dark. You best bet yeah. we're staying out there as oh. long as it takes. Oh, to get yeah. <laughs> Yep. It was a sick fight. It it took us took a half a spool of line and a blink of an eye and knew it was him and just uh about an yeah, hour and forty five minutes into it finally came up and showed one. itself with sickles out of the water, tailing up sea and I didn't I didn't see the bite, to be honest with you guys. We had just released the sail and I was fiddling with something on the left side and he ate the right short and I just look over and the rod tip was just starting to load up and then just absolutely dumping line directly inshore when we were only in 100 foot of water so that had me scratching my head i was waiting to see a jump and then i was like well maybe it was, it's a big wahoo you know or something like that something that ripped line that fast it's either a billfish a big wahoo or a big tuna and then it did a little change of direction came out in front of us the captain i was with great driving on on uh getting away from him and keeping him behind us and uh once he started going back offshore he started doing tuna stuff and i knew that that was uh that was the one for sure, especially after our good buddies T- Tuna Tony and Steve Diffenbacher. They well, caught one you about a month ago, very similar size. Shark problem, pretty much the exact same story. Because if they, if they, if they, if they... yeah, dude, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if the sharks wanted to mess with this thing. That thing was a beast. <laughs> <laughs> so they might have avoided it but i knew once we got out until you know we caught we finally landed the fish in about 580 foot of water so, so i knew once we got out past about 300 you know that we were pretty much in the clear and he was moving so quick while he was in shore on the reef that there was no way a shark could catch him uh, i didn't get to weigh it. it had a 69 inch short length and approximately anywhere from 180 to 220 pounds or somewhere in there it was big man i mean we could not me and the captain captain's in pretty good shape and i like to think that i'm i'm, I'm kind of chubby but i like to think i'm strong <laughs> uh but we couldn't, we couldn't move this thing dude and uh it straightened out a gaff on the gaff shot and it straightened out a couple meat hooks just trying to move it getting it on the off the boat oh, yeah, onto the dock badass, into man. a bag so congratulations yeah thank you i appreciate it it was, it was a good but, Thank you. Yep, right. it was fish of a lifetime for sure. Uh, to shout out, I got a shout out to the to the Calix and uh, in the in the Florida Keys there. I got to shout them out and Captain Alex Adler. I don't know him personally, but they caught back to back bluefin tunas up there. Yeah. Um, each of them, I think, over seven hundred pounds. So I was just gonna mention shout out to them. Alex. That's it's yeah, been a good week a for the tunas nice in the South Florida really, people. It sounds really like good fishing. he's got the keys there figured out very very well. He's been there a long time. <clears throat> and truly, yeah, I don't hear any anything gonna, but good things about him from my friends. What everybody's uh, highlight of the week was, I think we know what Alex's is, but skip. I'm giving it to the Calix, dude. Somebody else can give me that highlight. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take my own uh, credit for that. I'm giving the highlight of the week to the Calix, or. Or we got him. I have to give it to Pura Pesca Steve. Yeah, he caught up, released the blue marlin yesterday yeah. off Palm Beach. The guy's on fire. Yeah, he is on fire right now for <clears> sure. <throat> but I mean, does anybody else have a highlight that tops yep. it? Because <clears throat> I don't think I do. Other than you know, I, I was gonna put a Vaquero. You got me but... there. I was gonna put Vaquero up there. Um, that is incredible, especially of Los Sueños. It's been a long time. It's been a long, long, long time since they got those numbers out of Los Sueños, and yeah, just. And everyone's, the cool thing too is everyone's on it. You know, Fish Tank's catching them good. Taro's catching them good. Everyone's kind of enjoying that bite and good on everyone. Yeah, I'm sorry. My highlight's definitely going to my boy Alex here on that giant tuna on 20 pound. I mean, that's just, in three hours, I mean, on 20 pound, 
180 pound, 200 pound fish. That's uh, thanks, unreal. brother. Yeah, that's amazing. And draw. Those things put up a fight. <laughs> Very impressive. It was. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it was tough. It was a tough battle. Sucks when you stay. We stalemated for the last forty-five minutes too. I mean, it just I sat. Actually, what I did, I sat on the covering boards and kind of put my leg up on the transom of the covering boards and kind of let rested, like where the first or second guy to the rod would be on my knee because I just couldn't get enough leverage on the little. It was a sixteen-pound, six and a half foot rod. I just couldn't get enough leverage yeah, to lift him up day, huh? after he stopped <laughs> swimming around as much. So. Yeah, it's funny because the captain of the boat actually, I tie, you know, I tie a bimini and then I tie a uni knot. That's that's how I connect my bimini to the swivel. And he's like, "Are oh, you still tying those knots, huh?" And I looked up at him after we landed the fish. That's like, what that not work, right huh? <laughs> All right, fellas, let's wrap this thing up. This but one was a good one. For I just scream at everyone today. Thank you, Alex. All right. <laughs> Well, now everybody's ears. What'd you say? We Alex, Alex stopped screaming and skip Jack started speaking. <laughs> <laughs> but we uh, we got some mics coming. We're going to hook everybody up with some mics and get this thing dialed in a little more as we go. But we can't thank you enough for listening. Uh, thanks for joining us, and we appreciate it. Yeah, Los Sueños. Who are, who are we betting on? Wait, who are we betting on? Good luck to everybody fishing this week. Oh, we have to bet on this thing. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe James and his dad are gonna pull it off. That's a good guess. I will. I don't I got think you Grand can bet Slam. against them. All right, Leo's the one out there guessing Grand That's Slam. Fair. I got Grand Slam. I got Grand Slam. All right. All right, fellas. Well, until Sounds next good. week, we appreciate so. everything.